What's good, friends? This is episode 79 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. As the shit show that is 2020 finally wraps up, it's that time again where we look back on what we love the most in the gaming world in 2020. That's right, it's game of the year time, but this time with a little bit of a twist. What games stood out to us? What moments in games made us ecstatic for the medium? We dive deep into the best of the best of the year that was 2020. Also, the Resident Evil movie has wrapped up filming. More legal issues within the world of CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077 and much, much more. All here on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all of that jazz wherever you get a podcast at. You know the rigmarole I tell you every week. Just find us wherever you get a podcast that we're there. And if we're not, let me know. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, aka Travis on most internet platforms. Joining me as always for the last Game Pass Gamecast of 2020. Well, technically, actually, last week was the last one because this will go live on the first of the new year but you get what i'm saying it's the last one we're recording in 2020 the shit show to to the host that's true technically this is coming out of my birthday yeah so please refrain from jumping out of the cake naked mike i i appreciate you i love you that's something i don't need to see necessarily right now but you know it is what it is if it happens you know we'll see where the cards fall you know that's just too damn bad (laughs) i don't want to see him naked again that's too damn bad (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, anyways, joining me as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, Mike Peepak. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And I don't I I have a feeling we're going to end up talking about this a lot later in the show because it is goatee season now. It's game of the year season or games of the year, if you as you will pick up on here later. But how fucking awesome is phasmophobia? You know, like, like I said, don't go into it too deep. I don't want to. I don't want to blow the load yet. But you know, it, yeah. How fucking great is this game? <laughs> no, man. It's it's been a really it's been a delight to play. Honestly, you know, mm-hmm. we've been having a ton of fun with it, and I have nothing but good things to say about it. And it's like the game thus far that has potentially pushed me to like looking into oculuses so again i mean we'll talk about that (laughs) we'll talk about that further down the road because this game in vr looks sick Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean that's just you know it's we've had a lot of a lot of fun with it yeah oh my god i think i think i have anyway i mean i'm i'm fully hooked right now i don't know how long it's gonna last but with the game only being in early development Mm -hmm. you know it's it's early access you know I, i think that's promising for the future of the game oh yeah 100 percent. and what what you just said is so I think so important to focus on because like you said it's the game who knows how long we're gonna you know be hooked into this game it could be you know it could be one of those games that we put a couple hundred hours in in its lifetime but you know we were talking about 
the other night when we all kind of decided like it was you adam me even kyle said he's eventually going to pick it up like and it's on sale on steam right now but it's like a dollar off or something like that like it's it, 50 cents it, off yeah it's something ridiculously low like that because the game's only 13 dollars to begin with but point being we've all picked it up and it was basically one of those things after we played a couple maps where like you know what this is we could tell this is something that is really fun really something we're going to enjoy playing but you know we were like cool it, it'll probably be a game hey we get 30 hours out of it like you know, at least on my end right now, I'm at like, at least on my Steam account, I played it on console and stuff like that before, too. But Dead by Daylight, I primarily played on PC. I got like 30 some hours into it. And like, I'm totally happy with that because it's a game I can know I can jump in and have fun anytime. And that's almost what this game feels like to me, where, you know, grand, I've only put maybe like 10 hours into Phasmophobia now playing it, you know, a handful of nights with you guys and whatnot. And you and I running it on stream last night. And, you know, so but if it's one of those games that I truly can see us one playing more of it long term, but also two, you know, being this game that, hey, we get 30 hours out of it. Hey, it's something that, oh, you know, all of us can hop on for, you know, hey, we can only play for an hour tonight or something. All of us together, at least overlapping. Cool. Let's jump in there. Let's do, just do a handful of haunts. We'll go through. We know, you know, we know the basic loadouts we need to have going forward. We know how certain ghosts now are going to act. We have different roles. Each player fits now, like. It's it's at that point now where it is that game that we can dip in and out that we always know, hey, we don't need to worry about, you know, somebody, oh, this person's not good with uh, first person shooters, third person shooters, shooters, whatever. Hey, this person's not good with, you know, competitive MOBAs or anything like that. It's just a game that everybody could just jump in and fill a role and be good to go. Like, you'll figure it out. It's not that difficult. Um, so, but I, I totally agree. It, it's one of those games that I'm having a blast with. I can't wait to play more of. I'm hoping to play more tonight. Like, I'm I'm fully invested in playing this game for a while. Like, it is, it is a good game that is going to be, hey, let's just all jump on because we don't have to worry about, oh, we'll have to carry this one person or oh, you know, my PC can't run this game because it's, you know, Warzone runs shitty on Kyle's computer or something like that. You know, like, mm -hmm. it's a game that is bare bones to made in Unity, like, no knock against it, but it is a game that is peeled back from an appearance standpoint, but does environmental immersion and everything like that to make you feel like you were truly getting haunted and doing haunts. Like, it makes all of that, it makes up for that so much more with how it presents itself comparative to graphically or whatnot. The immersion factor is unreal. Like you were saying with Oculus, like that would be fucking dope to play that in VR. So like, it's a game that I'm fully, like you said, I'm fully all in on, you know, checking this out, playing this game long-term and like having a blast with it. So how the game's designed, like even for people that are using, you know, traditional methods of input, I guess is the way I'll describe it, which is mm -hmm. your traditional mouse and keyboard. Like, it like if you hit spacebar when you're in the menu, it pulls you back away from the from the whiteboard that you have there, and like you know you can just tell that intrinsically developed in the game is the VR element of it, and it doesn't take anything away from it. And actually, when I did watch a a, a video on YouTube of someone playing it, mm -hmm. like like when you're playing VR, it actually gives you a belt, 
so you can carry like double the amount of things. Mm-hmm. So it's almost easier to play in VR to cert- to a certain extent. You could you could argue that like maybe for the shortcomings of movement and how awkward that can be, mm-hmm. they give you more slots. But yeah, I mean it's it's been a great game, and like you said, it's something that you can kind of pick up and and drop as you go. Mm-hmm. But but for me, it's been a game that has scratched an itch that I didn't even know I really had until I loaded the game up for the first time. And, you know, you said you picked it up. So I'm like, you know what, I'll pick it up. And going into it, I'm like, yeah, this game, like we, we did the training and it was kind of complicated our first hunt. Oh, yeah, so, that is the that is the one thing that it does. It doesn't we've had to it is one game that you will need to go and find, you know, there's a great uh, uh, who was it? Polygon, I think that I dropped in our discord that um, or like Screen Rant, for example, mm-hmm. with Spirit Box and stuff like that. there's 140 different questions that they compiled that ghost will recognize an answer specifically to. So like, you don't know that going in, like you don't know that through the training, you just know bare bones stuff. You barely, they barely show you how to actually use the equipment and to a degree, like that kind of plays into the whole immersive being scared portion of it. Cause you're trying to, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. What do I do? What do I do? Like that kind of builds into it. Because it is more right off the bat, you're getting fucking freaked out with that stuff. But like, you know, long or at least for somebody who's coming in just wanting to play that with friends, like you're saying, it is not very like user friendly in that regard where it's like, you know, we've had issues with voice recognition and things like that where you don't know because it's so bare bones to a degree that it's hard to relay that information to the person playing that to know. And that can ruin your experience at times. Yeah, I think, um, you know, again, very important to understand that this game is early access. But for yes. me, um, you know, after we played the first night, we're kind of fumbling around. And we didn't understand what the tools were doing. I went online and just searched like Phasma. I went on YouTube and just searched like Phasmophobia, Phasmophobia gameplays. Mm-hmm. And I found this little um, this little YouTube creator. Well, I, he's not a little guy, but his, <laughs> his channel is extremely small. Mm-hmm. He's, his name's Dust the Viking. And, you know, you could tell that he, he has a Twitch stream that's kind of big, but his YouTube videos are kind of raw because he's not that seasoned personality where he has the intro down and all that yeah. goofy stuff. He's, like, raw, but he's super entertaining to watch him play the game, and he's very good at explaining what he's doing, why he's doing it, and what certain tools do. Mm-hmm. With the game being early access, he's been very transparent that each update that comes out something changes a little bit with the game, whether it be ghost behavior, which is incredible because that means that there's always going to be a new ghost experience. Or alternatively, it's like this item does this differently. This item does this differently. Mm -hmm. So when there's that much nuance and and wrinkles, you know, being brought up in the game, I mean, the game's going to be awesome. But again, if this is a game that you've been debating whether you want to pick up or not, for me, it's a 100% send. You need to buy this game. If you're into ghost hunting at all, or even if you're looking for a co-op, for me, it's a cooperative experience that, like Travis was saying, it's not a shooter. It's not a strategy game. It doesn't take skill. It it doesn't take, like, traditional, like, mechanical skill or aim skill. It does take, like, you know, intelligence and things of that nature. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's just a different... It's something so different and it's such a simple concept, mm-hmm. but it's done so well that it there's just so many wrinkles to the game that I don't think the experience is going to get boring for a long time. No, definitely. I, to- I totally agree. 100%. Um, let's put a pin on that. I'm sh- I have a feeling we're going to circle circle back to that in some regard uh, later in the show. So, uh, But just so we don't get too long in the tooth since we kind of have a hard out. Mike, let's end the button mash. This is going to be a really quick one this week because, shocker, we're still kind of in that holiday 
uh, lull here where no news or anything's going on. And uh, obviously today is devoted to game of the year and games of the year, I should say. And we'll dive into that in a little bit. But three things I just kind of want to run back, though, on butt mesh that are real quick hitters uh, before we jump into that, starting with the upcoming Resident Evil Origin movie, the reboot of the Resident Evil series that hopefully will be a lot better now that uh, what's her name, Mila Djokovic or whatever her fucking name is, is not going to be involved with it because those movies are god awful. They're 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 like some are some are good bad, but then a lot of them are bad bad. Like the first one and even the second one are good bad. Like man, this is shitty, but I'm kind of enjoying it for how bad it is. Just because eh, it's a Resident Evil movie, cool. But the rest are just bad bad. Anyways though. That upcoming reboot that we learned about like in 2017 was happening and then literally like a few months ago found out like, oh, yeah, they they filled all of their cast. They're doing filming right now. Yada. That is completely wrapped. <laughs> filming on that has been wrapped. It's They're all done. good to go. It's done it is ready for a 2021 premiere. Uh, wow. And it was announced via the Resident Evil Twitter account, which said, quote, uh, by uh, the director, Johannes Ro or Johannes Roberts. That's a wrap in Raccoon City directed by johannes roberts which the re and directed was put up there so that's a little, little cute thing so but yeah resident evil movie is coming in 2021 it's done I'm, I'm sure it's being handled in post now and it'll be good to go for 2021 so i am excited for that but moving on cyberpunk 2077 publisher cd project sa which shocker another week another cyberpunk story has confirmed that it has received notice of the lawsuit filed against the company and will quote undertake vigorous action to defend itself against any such claims the man management board of cd project sa made the regulatory announcement in response to new york-based rosen law firm filling the aforementioned class action lawsuit on behalf of purchasers in the usa of the securities of cd project sa between January 16, 2020 and December 17, 2020. It acknowledges that the lawsuit is meant for the court to decide, quote, whether the action taken by the company and members of its management board in connection with the release of Cyberpunk 2077 constituted uh, a violation of federal laws, uh, for example, by misleading investors and consequently causing them to incur damages. CD Projekt also noted that the, quote, complaint does not specify the quantity or uh, of damages sought and that it will, as previously mentioned, quote, undertake vigorous action to defend itself against any such claims. The lawsuit from Rosen Law Firm claims that CD Projekt has, quote, or had, quote, made false or misleading statements and or failed to disclose that Cyberpunk 2077 was, vir quote, virtually unplayable on the current generation of Xbox and PlayStation systems due to an enormous number of bugs, end quote. And then finally, Google has released its annual list of global trending searches. This is kind of cool. I always love seeing this stuff at the end of the year because half the time it's like, you know, random, uh, you know, and shocker, it's going to be like this too. Celebrity dying, huge game, huge movie, something about porn is <laughs> usually like the ones that are in there. So it's really interesting to see, but Google has released its annual list of global trending searches, and it perfectly encapsulates the biggest moments of the year uh, we can't put behind us quick enough. Among, or among some of the top searches were Chadwick Boseman, Among Us, and Tiger King. It's worth noting that Google compiled these lists based on the biggest year-over-year -year searches or spikes for each specific term. Put simply, these aren't necessarily the most searched for terms of the year, just the most popular as compared to last year. Gaming saw a big increase in 2020 as many needed to shelter in place with record-breaking spending at the beginning of the year. Topping Google's list of top trending searches for gaming or globally were Among Us and Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, 
which both saw incredibly pop uh, both saw incredible popularity due to their accessibility and multiplayer nature. Valorant, Genshin Impact, and The Last of Us Part II also populated the list. Fallout, uh, Fall Guys was a breakout success, becoming the most downloaded PlayStation Plus game of all time when it launched in August. Hopefully that does come to Xbox soon, which I heard it is potentially put a pin in that uh it dominated our summer or it dominated our summer had massive viewership across twitch and had e even had companies competing to include in-game skins but fall guys wasn't the only multiplayer game that generated mass appeal among us uh, experienced a sudden surge in popularity despite being released in 2018 among us quickly shot to up the charts on twitch as well as steam and mobile to become one of the biggest games of 2020 everyone was playing among us including u.s representative Alex Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who streamed it earlier this year in front of a massive audience of over 430,000 viewers concurrently. So Mike, running through all of that, and also too, I just wanna note, can we go back to the point of the pandemic that we were, you know, just the only thing in our mind was, oh, cool, World War Z is free on the Epic Game Store. Let's all play that. Uh, did you guys watch Tiger King? That shit's fucking wild. And oh, cool, we're getting a $1,200 check. Let's just go back to that point because right now the US specifically is a fucking shit show. Not to completely change the subject, but um, yeah, I say let's just go back to that. If we're going to deal with the pandemic, let's go to that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's crazy how this year, basically, specifically, it's crazy how this basically it's to me it's insane how it's hard to describe <laughs> how different this year has been i mean everyone we all went from like oh this is only gonna last two weeks to like okay now this is a month and now this is two months and oh my god now it's summer we're starting to buck the trend a little bit it's getting a little bit better mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it just didn't get any better and it's like you know things are just really crazy and it's hard to believe that everything that has happened so far in 2020 it's been the same year you know what i mean oh 100 percent. Yeah, it's so it, I, I do wish that we could just go back to those simpler times where we were a little naive and we were like, oh, you know, like this is going to be over hopefully very soon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, you know, nevertheless, here we are. <laughs> yeah. How many much. ever months later? Nothing has changed. Yeah, I know. It's it, it, and it comes down to specifically in the U.S. I mean, you're hearing about different countries like I believe New Zealand has officially like been opened up completely. And, you know, they're no granted. We're talking about a you know country that is a complete fraction of you know the size of the U.S. But point being that we're seeing so many other countries handle their shit and buck, buckle down and buy into hey let's work together to get this shit done in terms of let's doing all the precautions and whatnot. But you know it's the U.S. just can't seem to get its fucking shit together and we're destroying ourselves from the inside. To be frank, so. Um, I mean, I guess bring on the destruction of uh, life as we know it in the U.S., you know, huzzah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, outside of that, Mike, I think that's about it for Button Mash. There's not much going on this week, but what's going on right now, though, like everybody else, game of the year, game of the year, game of the year, game of the year. And in terms of us, I wanted to switch it up a little bit this year because this year has been so fucky and so weird and so just just dog shit <laughs> i mean there were a lot of in terms of the pandemic end it's been absolute dog shit it's been horrible you know it's just it's just bad times by all but there's been a lot of good things this year like a lot of really good video games so 
the way I kind of wanted to form our game of the year this year, and with so many games because of the pandemic falling into, hey, this had to get bumped. Hey, this had to get moved. We're retooling this. Microsoft's biggest flagship game of the year from their flagship franchise, Halo Infinite, has been postponed a full you know calendar year. So, you know, for Xbox specifically, and this is an Xbox and PC show, so it's always been opened up to both of those. I mean, last year, Adam had brought forth Disco Elysium as his game of the year, one of his games of the year. And that was totally fine. Like, that's cool. That's what we, you know, we're Xbox and PC because they go so hand in hand. Um, but with how this year has been for Xbox and with, you know, so many exclusives being bumped and so much of this retooling and so much of this being almost like a buffer year for Xbox, I thought for game of the year this year, I want to do it a little bit different. And I want to do it as this is games of the year. So what I want to do is I want us each to nominate up to five games that are available either on Xbox platforms, you know, whether it's Xbox One, uh, you know, Series X, yada, yada, or PC that we believe were the best games we played this year. You can bring more than five if you want. If our conversation just leads to that, you know, that's cool. But anything outside of our top five is going to be considered honorable mentions, which is totally cool and totally fine. The twist with all this, though, the games that we're talking about didn't have to release in 2020. So it could be from 2020, like Shocker, I think, you know, Grant, I didn't finish it, so that's why I'm a little more hesitant to say it, but, you know, Ori and the Will of the Wisp, you know, came out in 2020. That's great. You know, I'd probably throw that out there, but if it's a game that we played this year or you played this year that you loved and it wasn't from this year... It could be from fucking 1990, as long as it's in the grant, that's not possible on Xbox. But <laughs> point being, you know, it can be from a different time period, whether it's on PC, Xbox, something you enjoyed this year, because there's too much fucking negative shit out there right now, just especially even in games. I mean, there's so much positive positivity that's came out of video games this year, and they've been such a shining light, I think, to all the bullshit that the world has really entailed. But in general, I want positivity with all of this, where I I encourage everyone to bring, you know, you and I to bring these games that there are games that we played together this year that are definitely not from this year that are quite old that I had a blast with that. I look at 2020 and say, no, this game was fucking fantastic. This game was one of the defining gaming things that I've did with my friends, even with myself in 2020. So I'm opening this up to any game that we played in 2020 that we enjoyed that we thought was the best game from this year. So I want us to tell obviously what the game is. If it was released in 2020, if it wasn't released in 2020, why did you play it in 2020 and what made it stand out over the competition? And then also too, we'll also be able to provide two additional superlatives for each of us hosts to give to games, being best multiplayer slash community game, game that we played with friends, community, whoever, and up and comer. So, Mike, you got all that. Yes, I think I do. Yeah, I should. Okay, all right. Seems pretty straightforward. So, I can kick it off just to kind of set the table for it. I'll give an honorable mention because it's so fresh in my mind and I want to give it the specific light that potentially it might need. 
But one of my honorable mentions for this year for a game that I played in 2020, Cyberpunk 2077. I rolled rolled credits on Cyberpunk actually on Christmas Eve, I want to say, on the main story. I put like 18 hours maybe into it. In terms of game time, I am also notoriously bad at just leaving you know, walking up, leaving the computer while my game's running, doing something or whatever, you know, so because having a puppy will do that, having, you know, a significant other. Hey, can you help me with this? You know, it it just happens. So my game time is like 10 extra hours or something like that. Um, But it took me about 20 hours to get through. And a lot of that extra buffer time, too, that you see between my actual game time and my playtime on Steam a lot of that accounts for bugs, glitches, you know, just stability issues with the game that it 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 was so frustrating at times playing this game. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. But there was a reason why I kept coming back to it. It wasn't the drive that I thought I was going to have. And I've talked about this before in previous episodes. It wasn't the drive that I expected this game to have. I expected this game to have a pool that I got playing the Witcher three, where it's like, this is the, this game, when I'm not playing this game, I'm thinking about this game. I'm thinking about going home and playing this game. I'm thinking about playing this game with my fiance, with whoever, like I'm thinking about talking about this game. Like that's how I felt with the Witcher. That's how I felt with even elder scrolls games, specifically oblivion, but like, you know, even with Skyrim, even with fallout, like these games that are open world, massive living, breathing, you know, environments that you engulf yourself in. I expected that from cyberpunk and to a degree, I got some of it, but overall it wasn't enough to have that pool, but it was enough to like, I found myself being like, I am excited to see how this kind of ties up. I am excited to see how I choose, you know, what I choose in the moment on a couple of different decisions I could see coming up on the horizon. And overall, like, it was a game that I felt it perfectly encapsulated the bigger issues of AAA gaming right now. And what we're seeing when we see the almost negative side effect to how big gaming is getting in terms of the money that is being brought in right now, where, which is great. Hopefully developers are getting paid and whatnot. And I know right now with, CD Projekt Red, there's a lot of shit going on with that team over, specifically the red team over there that's working on Cyberpunk, still working on Cyberpunk, who had the crunch, who, you know, hopefully is going to get those bonuses no matter what. Like, it sounds like they are uh, for sales and reviews and whatnot, you know, different bonus parameters. It's good to that degree, but then we see too many external hands in the cookie jar that force things like the cyberpunk issue like this game should not have came out in 2020 this game should have came out in may june of 2021 and it should be it should not be playable on the xbox one or the ps4 period pc and if you want a 1080p experience you know outside of just plugging in your ps5 or xbox series x into your tv that isn't a 4k tv which you can do you know you want a standard 1080 experience cool play on a computer that could be the low end but for this game to actually work, it needs to be, it needs to have the applicable hardware. And I think that's just where it holds back to me that you see the bigger problem with this, where 
CD Project CD Project in general, but specifically the red team that is behind The Witcher, behind these games that have always been so consumer friendly of, hey, even when The Witcher 3 released, I remember people and I didn't play it, you know, until well after release, but I remember people saying like, hey, there's a ton of bugs with this game. Hey, it does not run well. Like, but you also heard CD Projekt Red come out and say, hey, we're going to have that wrapped up. Hey, here's a roadmap of what we're planning to do. Hey, this game is built for these systems specifically, and they're not game breaking. Hey, we're doing all this DLC and open world, uh, you know, in huge entire. The, they're offering experiences that were DLC that were that firsthand me playing them easily could have stood alone as their own standalone experiences. Hands down, mm-hmm. easily to turn around and offer them for free to consumers to say, hey, we fucked up. Here you go. All of our content we're putting out there outside of, you know, these super specific things are all free going forward. You don't have to. It's included with the base price of the game that you buy. Perfect. Now, granted, you know, some people who are getting in later, yeah, they got to buy X, Y, and Z. But, you know, my Witcher copy that I bought on Steam was the standard copy. And boom, they upgraded my copy to the complete version that just included all the DLC for free. Like, awesome. Cool. It just, it just, we're seeing where CD Projekt is now with going public, being a publicly traded company, having investors and having so many hands in there to push this game out the door to make sure it hit holiday. It's just, it's just scummy. And like that holds it back so much, but there's so much good with this game outside of just, you know, oh, it's a cool open world. It's a cool scenario. There are a lot of cool things. There are a lot of interesting characters that you meet, like Pan Amp, Judy, these characters that I'm like, if I ever do go back to this game to replay it, I want to try to romance them. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, like I want to experience these char- this story with these characters specifically. It just, there's so much, there's so much bullshit around this game that it just holds it back. And it, it should, I ex- fully expected this to be in like my top three games of the year, hands down, but I just, I don't feel comfortable putting it in there, but I want to at least recognize it that it's such a, good game in terms of the core foundation of it it wasn't expanded on it enough but it felt like it's just stuck in the middle that it wants to be this next gen experience while also on original gen but also implying that it it feels like red dead 2 for an example that playing red dead 2 it felt like red dead 1 it felt like i was playing a ps3 360 game like period it felt like a previous generation game with a new coat of paint on it and granted, much bigger, little more, you know, things to make it more immersive and whatnot. And the storytelling was ratcheted up to be a much more serious experience compared to the first one. But compared to the, you know, compared to games that we got, you know, from the Xbox One PS4 generation of like The Witcher 3, it, you know, and then we see Cyberpunk. Like, I think The Witcher 3 is more advanced than Cyberpunk in some, in a lot of regards. And it just, it's just rough to see a game that, you know, has been built up around the hype. But there is a lot of good things to have with this game. So I at least wanted to mention it, have it out there and whatnot. So, Mike, why don't you give me one of your games that you want to see on the list? Um, we'll give you a game. And you did a superlative first. I will provide... Um, I guess what I'll do... You provided a superlative. I will provide a... Um, sup- you know what? No, I'm going to give you a full on one of my top five games of the year. Okay. And 
I, even though I only got through about three and a half hours of it on stream because mm-hmm. I just simply uh, ran, I didn't get bored with it per se, but um, it's just something that I haven't booted back up. It feels something for me that's like a proper stream game. And outside of that, I don't find myself wanting to like really boot it back up. But the story mode was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give it, I will give one of my five. This, most of mine are going to be in no order. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one same of my here. five, one of my five is going to be Amnesia Rebirth. Nice. Um, and the reason why I want to give Amnesia Rebirth, you know, a proper, uh, a proper nod to game of the year is because after this dev studio kind of struck struck gold with amnesia the dark descent mm-hmm. they released a bay of pig or a bay of pigs i always a history major so sorry <laughs> they released a uh, machine for pigs and um you know the machine for pigs was a great game uh in certain aspects but it was really bad in other aspects so it felt like they kind of changed things just for changing sake mm-hmm. which is one thing we always talk about on the show that devs seem to do now more than ever and it's something that we wish they wouldn't do in particular just because it just seems silly to be making changes just because you think that's what someone would want or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be now the biggest thing for machine for pigs going back to rebirth is it felt like everything that they did right about rebirth they took to or they did for machine for pigs rather excuse me they did for rebirth and then they kept all the good stuff about the dark descent so Mm -hmm. For me, um, when I was playing through Rebirth, it was terrifying. There was new creatures that attacked you. It was a lot less predictable. There were was a predictable spot or two, but with the Dark Descent, once you got through a couple hours of gameplay, you realized that every time that you were going to complete an objective, something was going to spawn to attack you. That's the way the game was programmed. It is that simple. If you are making progress, you will get attacked. If you are not making progress, you will not get attacked. Now... Mm-hmm. When you go start going, when you lose sanity because you're in the dark too much, you're going insane. You do start seeing more silhouettes of 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 what you would think is a ghost or shadows or this or that. Like, yeah, all that is true, and and that's a, that is that's a thing. But mm-hmm. you know, it it it's not so cut and dry like you know, uh, the Dark Descent was, and also they. The Dark Descent was a lot of indoor locations. That's mm-hmm. kind of was their bread and butter. And then there were some mods that we downloaded that did take you outside of the castle Brennenberg and 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 that. But with uh, Rebirth, there is a ton of of outside scenes that are still eerie, that are still difficult. And you go through an outside area to get down underground, and you're trying to solve this. You're trying to solve this like. Basically, you're trying to remember things just like you were in The Dark Descent. But what I'm trying to say is, like, there is a lot of things at f- happening around you at all times. And it's kind of it's set in Egypt, which is interesting because that's a place that I've always not been. I've been intrigued by because, historically speaking, it's a very relevant place. Mm-hmm. But I've been much more focused on, like, their spirituality, what they've believed in, the afterlife. And those kinds of things come to play right in front of you in Rebirth. So for me, with the polish that it had, because it, you know, there there might have been a bug or two that I ran into, but it was nothing game breaking. Mm-hmm. The about face that they did, where they kind of faced the music of all the criticism that they got from Machine for Pigs and and redacted those negative things and kind of fixed it up, is something that I think deserves a nod. And overall, it's another one of those horror thriller games that are just they just get it. 
It's mm-hmm. just a good game. Not only is it scary for visuals, sounds, not only the sounds on 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 point, not only are the visuals on point, but the story has come a long way since uh, The Dark Descent. If there's one thing for The Dark Descent I could really attack, it was the story, especially as the game progressed. Mm-hmm. Now, there's still some outlandish things that happen in Rebirth, don't get me wrong, but it is a lot more story-driven than the other two games were before it. So it feels like machine for pigs was a game that they really started to focus on the story but the gameplay they kind of let lapse whereas the dark descent was really great with the gameplay but the story wasn't that good it finally feels like they kind of brought it all together with rebirth so that's why i would give rebirth a nod for one of my games of the year this year Mm -hmm. now if it comes down to it like if you're comparing it and just because i haven't gotten a chance to play rebirth actually Mm -hmm. while you're saying that real quick i want to it is on sale. Hmm, maybe I'll pick that up on the Steam sale. <laughs> um, but uh, the uh, you know, the Dark Descent being a game that recently uh, my fiance wanted to play, and me being like, "Fuck yeah!" Like I haven't replayed that game in so long. That game, in general, going back and playing that, and granted, playing it on console uh, this time where us originally playing it was on PC. The true, I I would feel very comfortable saying the way it was designed to be played on or the tech that it's designed to be played on. It is, you know, I just feel very comfortable saying it is a PC game. And having that experience that we did, I mean, hell, almost 10 years ago at this point, you know, playing through that for the first time in my basement, setting up my fucking uh, college laptop uh, with the speaker system playing that in the dark basement at like midnight you adam and i like and doing that multiple nights just to play through it like that being such a remarkable experience and having so many so many highs within that game to make it so unique with how it presented itself compared to so many other horror and really you know if you want to say survival horror um experiences do you still feel the heart of that game in rebirth comparative, you know, and I, I think you kind of touched on this before when you kind of gave your initial review of it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of, I guess, talk to people real quick about that. Of You know, what from this game can you see? Can you see the DNA strand in this game much more than you saw within no grand frictional games develop this, you know, compared to who were the original developers of amnesia compared to, uh, Machine for Pigs, who was developed by someone else. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but do you, do you see the actual DNA of this series evident in here again? Granted, being you know ex- a little more expansive, having outdoor environments and things like that, do you see this game actually being a true successor to that original experience? Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely err on the side of of giving it the respect that res- that respect, if you would, because. Mm-hmm. I do feel like overall the game, you know, it does feel like, you know, the game we fell in love with when we were playing it down there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, that's all that's all you can really ask for when, you know, because it might be a game where you kind of. You kind of catch lightning in a bottle, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is potentially what Phasmophobia is going to be. But to me, it's like. 
when I was sitting there playing Machine for Pigs, it just didn't feel like an amnesia game. However, when I sit there and I was playing through Rebirth, it felt just like I was in Castle Brandenburg again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The way it was using sounds, the way they were using visuals, the way they were using the story to push you towards, um, you know, getting yourself like kind of basically into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that to me is just incredible. And, and that's, that was a ton of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Uh, and it's a game that I'm, like I said, I'm probably going to pick it up on the Steam sale now that I know it's on sale, but is a game that I very much want to play because I've heard the same thing from a lot of people saying, no, this is, this is much more in line. If you're a fan of the original, you're going to be a fan of this, or at least you have a much better chance of being a fan of the game, of this game compared to, obviously, Machine for Pigs, but. So for my, my next game that I want to, and this is in my top five at this point, um, and like you, no out of order, or this is no specific order or whatever. These are just games that I'm throwing out there. For one of my top five, Doom Eternal. Um, and I played this at such an interesting time because literally I it released and I picked it up the day that my work put out the thing saying, hey, we're going work from home status. Like because of the pandemic, like Pennsylvania, sh- you know, shutting all non-essential businesses uh, you know, in terms of a, you know, shelter in place type of thing, you know, it released that day. And I remember picking that up in Animal Crossing both those days, like, and it just being so weird being like, I'm ready, I'm going to be sitting down like and playing this demonic game and being stuck in my house. Like it just it, it was very eerie, almost to the degree of like, right before that, I was playing a Plague Tale for the first time. And I had to like put that down because I was like, this is hitting a little too close from home right now. <laughs> like, there's some shit going on. So um but doom eternal man like if you guys know me and you know newer listeners may you know obviously not yet but you know if you're a longtime listener of the show i've talked about how much i have an affection for doom 2016 and how much i love that experience and how much you know and we have a whole episode dedicated to it a traditional old school game pass game cast episode of you know where we go through we pass cash at gra- you know acid whatever you know go back check that out it was right we did it right before doom eternal came out the week leading into that um so it's from this year go back and listen to it. it's really good and the one thing that i loved about doom eternal was that or doom 2016 was it truly felt like and this is kind of cop-out answer it felt like how doom was supposed to play compared to and nothing wrong with doom 3 or anything like that where hey that's a survival horror game and i'm totally cool with you know developers trying something new and trying hey let's just try this we have an idea for this game with this ip that we think could work cool let's try it out and it worked for a lot of people a lot of people you know do enjoy that experience and i had fun with it back in the day on original xbox and stuff but you know it's understandable that people at the same time are like hey this is probably the dark horse or you know the black sheep of this franchise and understandably so the one thing that I loved about Doom 2016 was it felt so much like how Doom would play in modern games. Like when you actually sit down and play a Doom game, how do you think it's going to feel playing this game? And hands down, it was quick, snappy, in and out. You're moving constantly. There's no reloading, everything like that. And the biggest thing that I wanted out of Doom Eternal was just simply more Doom. I want more of those features. I want more of that feel. I want to have that experience only ratchet it up. And to me, while it's a game that I haven't really had a desire to go back to, I haven't really had that pool to go back and play the DLC of it, which I've heard 
is pretty good. Um, I'll probably wait till all of it comes out and go back and play through it. But it's a game that did deliver on pretty much everything I wanted from it. It was more Doom 2016. But the thing was, it kept all of that and actually just evolved, not evolved it, but just added more, added more aspects to the game that didn't diminish it. And to a degree, I still like Doom 2016 a little bit more. And I think it's just because it is a little more peeled back experience, but nothing wrong against what Doom or Doom Eternal did compared to Doom 2016, because it increased verticality, which I thought was great. It added these platforming elements, which I thought was cool. The weapons were all all the standard weapons from previous games that were punchy, that were quick, that were powerful. It, it you did actually feel at times unstoppable, but to a degree that your enemies are fucking going to rip your ass off if they catch you. Like you are going to yep. get fucked if they catch you, which is great and which I love about Doom. You know, when I'm playing Doom, I play it. I don't play it like I play Call of Duty or Counter Strike or Fortnite even or whatever. You know, it's there's there's more. There's not a tactical feel of this. This is just keep fucking moving. There's you know keep moving don't stop if you stop you're dead and i love how they kind of transformed the ability to get ammo and get shields and get different things by hey do this this time you're doing you know a chainsaw to get health and uh health and shields you're doing just standard uh finishing melee attacks or executions to get ammo like things like that that just improved upon it and the weapons were all the whole modding system the whole um you know secret system with going through and getting the collectibles and having a home base and things like that it was all things that moved the franchise forward but also to kept it at its core where i didn't feel like i wasn't playing a doom game anymore which was perfect which is how i wanted it um so it, it it's almost like the it's almost like the fallout 4 aspect where Cool. When Fallout 4 was coming out, literally the only thing I wanted was just more Fallout 3. If it's more Fallout 3 at that, you know, regard and didn't completely diminish the feel of Fallout, you know, completely diminish what Fallout is at this point. Uh, cool. I'm happy with it. And it kind of did that for me. So I wasn't disappointed with Fallout 4. And I, I seem to like it more and more as time goes on for what it is. But Doom Eternal almost has that feel, but in a much more positive light that you can't, it's at a point now you can't mess up Doom. Like, you really can't. You gotta really try to mess up Doom. And now that they have this formula down, I think the sky's the limit. I'm really curious to see what they do with the next game and how that's going to look. It's starting to feel, the one thing it is starting to feel more like, though, with Doom Eternal, with the verticality being increased and more platforming and things like that, I get a Quake feel to it, which isn't okay. bad. Obviously, there's so much, There, both those games are just so intrinsically you know, tied together over time um, with id, but like I start to feel this more quick, snappy, fast paced aspect of almost an arena shooter like Quake at times, which isn't bad. Like, I like that. That's great. I'm curious to see if they're ever going to capitalize on that, how they have right now with two separate entities going on with Quake Champions, the free to play Quake game and Doom Eternal, if they're ever going to, you know, actually give a proper multiplayer to this outside of the you know uh whatever it is the battle i can't remember what it is the multiplayer they have that isn't a traditional 
first person shooter multiplayer. Um, so I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out. But yeah, Doom Eternal, man, I it's it's one of the best games I played this year, but also I don't want to say one of the most forgettable, but it's it's one of those cool played it. I'm done. I am more of a drive to go back to Doom 2016, but that's no knock against Doom Eternal just because my play style more aligns with I like Doom 2016 more with a little, you know, hey, it's a little more peeled back. It's more of just standard Doom where Doom Eternal does all of that completely and utterly perfectly, but it just adds more to it. And sometimes I just want a little more peeled back experience with it. But yeah, Doom Eternal, man, that's easily in my top five. Mike. Excellent. Let's... Um, Do you think like Doom Eternal, do you feel like, what do you think they did differently compared to, well, I guess we'll say, we'll treat Doom and Doom Eternal as like, you know, the current, the current gen games, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I was curious to see what you would think about if you played Doom 3 before, like back in the day, mm-hmm. and if you, what you felt like they did differently that might have worked better. Because I do feel like the games are a lot different, but it's not like... Um, I don't know how to explain. Like, Basically, what do you think's different, and do you think it's better? like, Or why do you think it's better if you do? For, compared to the original games? Like, compared to Doom 3 in particular, I'm, I'm thinking about like specifically yeah. Doom 3. So, like, Doom 3 to me was it's almost when i think of doom 3 from playing it very 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 long ago playing doom 3 makes me feel like i am playing almost a resident evil first person shooter um okay to a degree but i see a lot of the dna at the same time of the new iterations of doom in there too, where you're seeing a lot of similar enemy types and different things like that in terms of where you see them now, whenever you see, you know, the assets and the models now of these enemies in the newer doom games, you could see, okay, I could see where compared to the original doom, where you first saw these enemies to doom three to doom eternal and doom 2016. Okay. Yeah. I could see how this has evolved over time and I could see where, they started to put the foundation of these redesigns of enemies and things like that in Doom 3, where it almost felt like it was a little ahead of the pack with it in that regard, like they were putting the cart ahead of the horse. But even then, though, it just, it, it wasn't a, to me, it wasn't a Doom game. Like, it it strayed too far from Doom. It was It was a survival horror game, almost to a degree, like a horror FPS game that was given, you know, hey, we have the... It, it almost felt like, and obviously it made it, but like, hey, it almost feels like somebody got the Doom license and put that over. Hey, we have it. Let's put it in the Doom world. And like, right. to me, that's where it's straight off more, where it's like, okay, I played Doom 1, I played Doom 2. Those had such a specific feel to it and approach to it that I feel like Doom 2016 and Eternal hit so much harder than Doom 3. Doom 3 just wanted to do something. It was just hey, we're going to take the franchise in a different direction. And that's totally cool and fine. I have no problem with that. And I enjoyed it for what it is. I would like to actually go back and play it, but it just it's just not, to me, a Doom game. It doesn't live in the same vein as that. But it's yeah. still great in its own regard, if you ask me personally. I feel like with Doom 3 in particular, I feel like the biggest thing for me was like, 
it was a game that you felt more scared than you felt like you like doom one and the original games like it felt like you were a badass demon demon killer you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you were killing demons yeah and doom 3 felt more like oh no i'm scared of the demons like yeah you're gonna be able to fight but there's a, a ton of jump scares and there's a ton of things going on that's like a little bit out of your control and you know mm-hmm. it feels like this game at least was like all right we're just gonna really lean into the fact that you were a badass demon slayer and that's it you know what i mean no, no nothing 100%. else like you're gonna kill demons no 100 percent, absolutely i i totally agree with that so mike let's hear your next one um my next my game of the year um it wasn't this my next game of the year wasn't necessarily developed in 20 or released in 2020. That's all right. It, instead, it was released in 2019, pretty late 2019, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Nice. Um, and one of the reasons why I believe that this game deserves a game of the year nod, because some people are going to some people out there are going to be like, well, how is that fair? That game was developed you know 20 years ago they're using old development software like this game was already created how is that fair mm-hmm. to me it's not so much that it was made 20 years ago it's the improvements that have been made by the forgotten empires team and mainly the big reason why i want to give them the nod is their month to month commitment to constantly releasing new not necessarily new material but they're constantly updating the game whether it be little tweaks civilization changes bug fixes new events things of that nature they've really taken age of empires 2 and breathed fresh life into it and you know that there was a huge community over at the voobly uh program that you could still play age of conquerors on multiplayer that way and multiplayer online but to me it's like the forgotten empires team took this game a game that was still being held together by you know a very devout esports scene that you know a, a scene that really enjoyed playing competitive tournaments mm-hmm. and things of that nature but to me it's like forgotten empires took a game and really modernized a 20 year old game which is very difficult to do especially when you have old you know software that you're working with an old programming that you're working with and also you know the rated multiplayer things of that nature all of it's a ton of fun and i just love age of empires too i've loved it for 20 years mm-hmm. and this new you know breath of fresh air if you will has really hooked me and i've played a ton of it this year i think i've played like 300 hours or so nice. so i've played a ton of this game and, and i really like it and that's why you know it's it's in there for me and i'm going to bring i'm going to bring this up not knowing if this is on your list or not but what makes aoe 2 definitive edition stand out to you over aoe 3 definitive definitive edition which released this year um, to me, AOE, like, it's it's not just... Not knowing, me. I mean, that may, AOE 3 may be on your game of the year list. I don't know. But just throwing that out there, I'm I'm curious as to why that is a game that you keep coming back to over 3, typically. Uh, it's not, for, for me, it's not necessarily a, a opinion that's held just by me. So when I say to me, I mean to a large community... Age of Empires 2 is just an intrinsically better game than Age of Empires 3. They kind of went... It's basically like, to you and I, an oblivion to a Skyrim jump, where they Mm -hmm. streamlined the difficult stuff to make it easier on everyone, but with streamlining that, it also took away some things and some depth to it. Because you could only have 100 maximum villagers, or in AoE 2, you could have 200 if you really wanted. Um, The 
the age, the units that you're using, all that stuff. There's counterplay in Age of Three, but the counters are harder in Two. I, it's just like to me, it's almost like playing chess in AOE Two versus checkers in AOE AOE Three, and that's why I would say Two over Three to me. Mm-hmm. No, that's and I I've enjoyed both playing them with you guys. And you know me, I'm not the biggest RTS fan in the world. I've loved Warcraft, Starcraft, stuff like that, but never really got into AOE until really the past couple of years, where you guys have been like you and Adam, your brother, have been like, yeah, let's jump on and play let's let's we'll show you the ropes type of thing and i've always just had a great time with them um but i i've always been curious as to why it really felt you know in in aoe 3 has been great but i understand what you're saying as you know yeah it, it and that's the issue that i run in with skyrim and oblivion i'm actually watching this really cool documentary that somebody did or like i called it a documentary but it's an analysis of you know, game to game for the Elder Scrolls and, you know, why people have such an issue with Skyrim comparatively and knowing them myself of like, yeah, clearly this game, you know, when you look at Skyrim put up to Oblivion, Oblivion put up to Morrowind, Morrowind put up to Daggerfall and so on, like you see the the streamline that's happening with these games. You're seeing these games become more, not condensed, but they're becoming more buttoned up and more they're not as flexible. They're not as they're games that are becoming much more linear, I guess is what I'm looking to say, but to a degree, that's not a bad thing. If you want that experience, if you don't, there's still other avenues to get the other experience you want. But I, I get what you're saying. It's becoming more, you know, and it's bringing more people in at the same time, which is understandable to a degree because they're trying to sell games they're trying to do, you know, trying to make it as popular as possible. But, you know, sometimes it does come to a detriment. So I, I get what you're saying, but I've really enjoyed my time with both of them. Um, let's see. What do I want to go with next for mine? Game of the year. I'm going to throw this out here, and I know you don't agree with it, um, and that's obviously okay, but I'll be honest. I, Me personally, for the hours I've put into it, which I put in a ton and didn't realize it, I put Valorant in there as one of my games of the year. I've had a fucking blast with that game. It's been pissing me off recently, but that's also because I haven't played it as much and me trying to jump back in. It's like trying to play Counter-Strike. Like, you'll be able to hold your own after not playing for a while, but, like, you're shot. You've been playing different shooting games and things like that, and you're not used to, you know, oh, I have to remember to hold this angle and whatnot. So it's been, like, pissing me off. I'm like, okay, yeah, I gotta, if I want to play this, I gotta make this my only game for a while and play it and, you know, get back to it. But from the beta until really a couple months ago, it was one of those games that I played almost on a daily basis where, Hey, I'm just going to go in and get my one comp win for the day, hopefully, and get out. Um, you know, and if it comes to playing a couple more games, cool, great. But going in there and really playing, even during the beta, getting in there and playing the beta of it, because I'm somebody who loves the, just the idea of it, of meshing counter-strike with overwatch or a TF or something like that loving all of those experiences, bringing them into one and being a fan, somebody who truly loves the counter-strike shooting mechanic and actually having to pay attention and know what you're buying and, you know, why you're buying that and why you need to go with this weapon over this weapon and knowing the spray patterns and things like that. Like I enjoy that going into it. And even just during the beta and playing the unra- like unranked and things like that and until they put in actual like skill-based matchmaking and things like that, 
I had a fucking blast. Like, and granted, this hit during a good time. It hit during quarantine. It hit in the midst of, you know, shelter in place. So, like, we were all just playing stuff online a ton compared to single player stuff. Playing that and having my first, like, come from behind win and, like, clutching and getting an ace and things like that. Like, those are vivid memories I still have of that game that I never thought I would. And knowing that, hey, I'm probably going to play this game a lot and enjoy it. But, like, looking back on it now, some of the things that I did in that game have become, like, my favorite memories in multiplayer gaming this year. It wouldn't be, like, this isn't my top game of the year. Like, I definitely wouldn't put it there. Um, mm-hmm. But for what I got out of it, out of a free-to-play game that I felt, hey, yeah, I put, like, 100 hours into this game or whatever it was. I, it might not even be 100 because I spread my time across so many different stuff. It was a game that I left saying, yeah, I'm cool with giving you 20 bucks, 40 bucks or whatever at the end of the year total of between two battle passes and, you know, maybe a skin or two or something like that because of how much it's given me. And granted, I know you're you you have a different take on Valorant and why you don't necessarily like it and whatnot, but it works for, I think, a lot of people who are trying to get into that genre of shooter into the tactical Mm -hmm. genre of shooter i think it's such a good first entry um i think it's such a good palette cleanser it makes that jump from any other game to cs go much smaller much more digestible so i don't know me i personally put it up there as one of my best and i would easily like go back and play it like if i had a group that hit me up and they're like yeah let's just play a couple of rounds i'd be like or a couple games yeah sure let's dive into it Mm -hmm. instantly so mike what's your next game i um my next game as far as valorant's concerned the only comment i would make on it Mm -hmm. is the only reason why i'm critical of it is because there is legions of people that swear by it Mm -hmm. that it's like this incredible game and yes it is very good Mm -hmm. but from a competitive standpoint that's the the biggest problems i have with it are, are purely competitive so i don't disagree with your game of the year pick because it it is a very solid game and like you said i think it's it's best designed for it's best designed for people who like you said aren't in the fps genre typically Mm -hmm. there are people that are trying to get into it so nevertheless um pushing pushing on forward the next game that i would put into my game of the year edition is a game that i have shamelessly put 416 hours into this year (laughs) and I want to reiterate the importance that it's the 2020 version. And this is the f- one of the first times and maybe the only time you're going to hear me praise three for three. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm going to give it to the master chief collection, the 2020 edition, because to be honest, that- just before you go into it, this will cover one of mine as well. Cause I'll give my opinion on, it. I was going to put that in there as mine as well. Okay. So we'll both talk about it here. Excellent. From a from a purely multiplayer standpoint, they have done a very good job at try at making good changes to the game, including new content to the game. The updates they've done to the game has changed the game tremendously, made it a lot more playable online. Mm-hmm. For the absence of land tournaments, it's a lot less annoying and frustrating, I guess you could say. So for me, I'm throwing 343 a bone here and saying <laughs> the 2020 version of Master Chief Collection solely because of the hard work that they have done. But let me let me kind of group this with Age of Empires 2 just because these games were made by other people, just because these games weren't necessarily might have not been, you know, developed by um 343, it's it comes to me as a game that's like 
the hard work has been done over such a long period of time, it deserves its due. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, and, and and that's what when I think back at some of like the biggest gaming moments I had, Halo Three coming to that coming to PC and being able to play that with on now, Grand. This is me perfectly er, personally either whatever monitor I'm playing on. But at that point I had my 165 Hertz monitor playing on high frame rates with that playing mouse and keyboard, which I thought I would never go back to doing and playing on halo, but playing all of that and having a fucking blast, like dumping time into it. Master chief collection has now become one of my like highest played games in terms of hours. And a large portion has come from playing it on PC recently, because that's where I want to play a lot of my shooters. But, and granted, we're coming at it from different angles, I think, with this game and you coming from the much more competitive end, you're coming from more of the hardcore Halo community, where me, somebody who has loved and cherished this franchise, I mean, fuck, I have an energy sword on my wall right now. Like, you know, it's it's a franchise that's so near and dear to my heart and it's intrinsically tied to, I think, both of us in our gaming histories. But playing it in this experience and seeing... 343 doubled down on this this franchise, specifically the history of this franchise, has been just so refreshing. And like and seeing what they've been doing for not only the console community as well, but seeing how much they're committing to PC, seeing that, oh yeah, competitive gaming, if we want to go that route with Halo again and push that, which they do, PC is the way to go for the most part in terms of we're seeing how how big streamers are picking up this game, how the mainstream is, you know, and obviously you're going to have the biggest casual consumer audience being probably on, you know, console. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're seeing so many people flock to PC now. It's 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 progressive. And it's progressive with this franchise that I've wanted for a long time that I think we both have. And it's just simple steps like that that, and no, I don't want to say simple, but like things like that that just seem so logical steps to make that they're finally doing and committing to and have committed to in 2020 specifically. So I put it out there as well. It's easily in my top, you know, top five of this year. So, Uh all right. So I'm trying to think what I have two more left then throwing this out there. Let me just double check. I'm going to say And I didn't think I'd throw it out there because it's kind of like a loophole one, technically. But I'm saying, fuck it. It's not technically a game, but a DLC that, like I was talking about before, stands alone as a game, but that's um, Hearts of Stone, the DLC for The Witcher 3. And I first played it this year. Holy fuck is that game, or that DLC amazing. That... That DLC alone, and I have yet to go back through and play Blood and Wine, but Hearts of Stone, man, that set the bar, or that, like, yeah, really set the bar and pushed what I thought DLC could be for a game further than anything else I've seen before. Alone, it has more it has more storytelling chops and more just prowess to be this narrative juggernaut and open world immersive juggernaut and living breathing world and it it goes back to everything i say about the witcher each time i play it and each time i fall in love with the witcher 3 every moment in that game has a purpose whether it's a big purpose little purpose you know whatever 
everything you do is purposeful that ties into something to a degree where it's everything you do, you're either getting progression for, obviously, but everything ties into the bigger picture of the world. Side quests, everything. And Hearts of Stone is no has no shortage in that because you're doing multiple different things in mul multiple different sectors with multiple different people that somehow tie it all back in together. It feels like if you truly were in this world, how you would approach a situation like that, because guess what? For the most part, when you're playing or if you're somebody in that world, you're, you're thinking of real life. You're doing 10 other things in your life compared to what you're doing. You know, just one when in video games, cool. I'm mainlining the main quest. Yeah. You know, technically, yeah, you're going A, B, C, D, you're, you're going through. But in real life, it wouldn't just be that. You have other things in your life going on, yada, yada. The Witcher 3, I think, encapsulates that so much where it's like, cool, I had to go do, I had to go to a wedding with a woman that I was friends with and do that from her because while I was doing that, I was also able to get some information about X, Y, and Z, and she would be able to make a potion to help me overall, you know, take care of something. And it's so minute, but it still ties back into the whole story. And the story alone felt like something that I would go and pay $60 for. Like, I got 20 hours out of just that DLC alone. Like, that's nuts. That is absolutely bananas to me. That that's something like... And that's not even Blood and Wine. I'm ready to go back to Blood and Wine and play that. And that, I hear, is even bigger and more, you know, immersive for what it is. It's a whole new portion of the continent that you go to. So I, I'm so excited for I'm so excited for the future of The Witcher. I know CD Projekt Red, we've been shit talking them a little bit and deservedly so. But it's an experience that I want to go back and relive. It's one of those games that I wish I could play for the first time again. And I keep saying that with, you know, The Witcher in general. But the DLC alone has been shown me, OK, this is what DLC can do. In terms of to the consumer being like, hey, if you want to sell DLC, if you want to put DLC out, it should feel like this. You, this is what you should strive for, for DLC. And like, I would put that over a lot of the games I played this year. Easily, hands down. So yeah, Hearts of Stone, DLC for The Witcher, is one of my games of the year, which I never thought a fucking DLC would be that. <laughs> so over to you, Mike. Yeah, so if I am going to give you another DLC, I am going to... Pro or another DLC. If I'm going to give you another <laughs> game of the year, I think this um, next game would be something that some people might be surprised and some people you, namely, might not be surprised to hear. But mm -hmm. I am going to give a nod to the team at Hi-Rez with their new game that they developed, Rogue Company. Um, nice. To me, Rogue Company is a game that is enjoyable for a lot of different reasons and it's something that takes some proven um some proven commodities if you will i guess you could use that that term but mm -hmm. it takes some proven um functionality out of games that work um namely like a lot of gears of war things some call of duty things and some halo things and it kind of boils it all in together and it makes a really enjoyable experience and it's a team that worked on this game it's an, it's an original game and you know they've worked very hard in in creating something that you know is super enjoyable so i'd like to give high res a nod here and say that i'll give the nod to i'll give the nod to uh rogue company for that nice nice that's a game that i do want to get into that i have yet to really put any time into or give the time of day at all like it's it's a game that i feel like i would like a lot uh it just 
for some reason it's kind of slipped by the wayside to it. Um, but I would like to get in and try that out. But Mike, my final game that I'm throwing out there for game of the year or games of the year, I should say it, it was a tie between two games and I didn't know where to put them. So I'm going to say one is just my honorable mention and I'm sure you'll be able to figure out what the other one is. But for my for an honorable mention that I was tied between these two for what this role of the game is. And I think it was the best multiplayer game that I played this year. And that's in terms of or community game, really, I guess I feel better saying. For the honorable mention, I'd say Among Us. Um, which I just haven't been able to play more of because I don't have a yeah. big enough group to play. But for my last game of the year that I'm throwing in there and being my personal multiplayer game of the year, I'd have to say Fall Guys. Um, okay. And I say that because it's a game that really, like we talked about at the beginning with Phasmophobia, it's a game that literally you could hand to anybody and fucking play. Like, and I say that in a good way that we could bring Kylan, we could bring Madden, we could bring Adam and we could bring whoever in. Hey, let's all play for, hey, we could only play for a half an hour. Great. Let's play this. And we're all just playing, even if, you know, it comes down to the, you know, two of us are the last two people left or something. It's all we're rooting for each other. Like, it's just fun at the end of the day. Like, some of the best memories I have this year of playing multiplayer video games was with fucking Fall Guys because, we were, you know, the one day we played for like fucking four or five hours and it was like three in the morning and I'm just laughing hysterically at shit in Discord that we're talking about playing this game. Like, it's so just goddamn fun to play, pick up and play with friends. It's not, you know, hey, it's not, we're worried about who's killing who or how many kills you have, what's your KDA, you know, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. We're just having fun. Like, it's just fun at the end of the day to play this game. Um, and the, you know, the discourse around it and the talk around it and the vibe around it, the summer was very rocket league esque. It was very, you know, I remember it's a great game. My fiance and I played it a ton because it was a game that I could easily play with her and she enjoyed playing it. Like it just, it, it was unmatched to me this year in terms of multiplayer. It, it's hands down my multiplayer game. And I would give our up and comer to among us. It's still obviously among us is becoming this juggernaut, but like we kind of talked about before, I think last week, it's it's becoming a game that could potentially be that, it could be that bridge game that brings, that connects so many different avenues to gaming in such an easy way. So my final game of the year, Fall Guys, with the honorable mention to Among Us. Mike, take us home. Uh, would like to give a game of the year nod. I would like to give an honorable mention to Fall Guys because I think everything you said about it kind of hits the nail on the head Mm -hmm. um i would like to give um among us a game of the year a game of the year nod i'm just straight up from what i've played it when i get to play it with people Mm -hmm. it's just been a ton of fun uh we've been you know having a great time with it Mm -hmm. so i've been enjoying it thoroughly to me um i understand like the qualms some people have with it Mm -hmm. but i do genuinely enjoy that game a ton um alternatively an up-and-coming game that I would like to give a nod to is this game still in early access. So I'm going to go ahead and give that to Phasmophobia. Nice. Um, I think that this game has a ton of 
length and a ton of time left to go. Mm-hmm. And I am curious to see, you know, what happens going forward with this game because it they can do a ton with this game. And I'm really excited to see what they decide to go with. You know, if they make any changes to it, you know, what they do to it going forward because there's a lot to be enjoyed in, in with this game. And I just can't wait to keep enjoying it. Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to see where that game goes as well. Like that, I think is really going to be a game that sticks around in our friend group for quite a while. So Mike, that's our game of the year. Games of the year, I should say, which is crazy. We're already at that point. 2020, the shit show of 2020 is almost over. But guess what? 2021 is probably not going to be that great for the first couple of months. So fingers crossed. But it, it, it's always fun to talk about what actually was great about this year and a lot of it was video games a lot of it was these experiences we had so before we wrap up the show mike let's take it into a quick party chat here if you're new to the show party chats where we propose one question at the end of each week of the show that we want to discuss could be as simple as what's your favorite story beat in the game what have you been playing during quarantine or it could be more in depth as to why the negative state stigma around gaming still exists and after answering ourselves we kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our twitter at gpgc podcast and we'll read some of those responses the following week which we forgot to do last week so we don't have a response this week we forgot to do party chat last week um anyways mike this week's question what is one thing you want to see come out of the games industry in 2021 could be a specific game but it could also be something such as a rebirth of a genre developmental practice uh communication anything like that what do you want to see come out of gaming in 2021 um I want to see big dev studios like EA um, make crossplay normal, uh, like make crossplay a normal everyday thing. Uh, I know like Activision Blizzard did that, and for all the downfalls that Activision Blizzard have, them making thing something crossplay like that is a huge deal to me. So I would like to see EA do that with all their sports games. There's no reason why it shouldn't be a thing. That's the one thing I would like to see going forward into 2021 because I shouldn't be able I shouldn't be held back from playing with my friend who has NHL on PS5 versus, you know, Xbox or whatever. You know Mm. what I mean? No, totally agree. Um, For me, I just want to see more attention to workers rights. Like I want to see crunch handled. I want to see actual physical, not not, you know, verbal word salad. I don't want to see any of that. I want to see actual practices put into place that sure that may add you know two months of wait time onto a game coming out but fuck it that's totally fine i want people to have weekends i want people to have lives i don't want people to be worked to the fucking bone and be burnt out and hate miserable like i think that leads to so many shitty things in people's lives so crunch and it's who knows if it gets tackled in 2021 but a lot of things are getting tackled in our society right now and that should be one of them, if you ask me. Across the board in every industry, but specifically for the show, games, you know? <laughs> Mike, with that being said, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you to talk about all the nerdy video game stuff we talked about today, including our game of the years, or games of the year, not game of the years. You get what I'm saying. Where can people find you on the internet to talk about it? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. And you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Come hang out. We will probably be playing Phasmophobia this weekend, I think. But, uh, yeah. There we go. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter, and 
you want to play some video games with me over on Xbox Live, you could do so by finding me under just regular old Travelis at T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. With that being said, Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. The final of 2020, technically, I guess, when we're recording. You get what I'm saying. Welcome to 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a good year. That being said, that's going to do it for our episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Bye.